Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. How can I connect at source with divinity as me recognizing that I am divinity? Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. Anytime you bring awareness to your central meridian, you are the center of the universe. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. You get to know that the desire inside your heart is inevitable. I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. That's the point of a numerology blueprint is to study and go, what's going to fulfill you in this lifetime? And we all have it. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi there, and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron reed Joining us today is astrologer, psychotherapist, spiritual guide, climate change activist, podcast host, and my sister from another mister, Deborah Silverman. Outside of the fact that she literally is one of my very, very best friends for eons, centuries, etc., I respect and admire this woman so much. You know, for Deborah, astrology is medicine. She's developed a unique psycho-spiritual model of astrology and is the founder of the most incredible astrology school on the planet. She's trained over 4,000 students to date. Some of her astrologers are the best walking on the planet. I've had readings from them. They're amazing. Deborah is also the author of an amazing book, The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. She believes that the wisdom of astrology is an undeniable, dependable, and healing bomb for society. I can hardly wait to talk to you. Welcome to the Wooniverse, Deborah. Thank you so much, Colette. You are so welcome. Okay, so I'm going to pretend we're not friends, but we have been friends <laughs> for over 100 years. Good luck pretending. But for any of our listeners who don't know you, I really want to introduce you to this audience so they can get to know you. So I want to go way back to the beginning, going back to little Deborah. What was it like for you growing up? I had a classical, dysfunctional, really extreme circumstance where my family dynamic was like Woody Allen would not have had to change any of the outfits. Like he could have brought the cameras in and just started moving the camera around and go, this is the perfect little Jewish family. They're so loud. They're so eccentric. They're so uninhibited. And they were so crazy. And part of it was, it gets really good, the story, so juicy. My father was in the Jewish mafia, which I did not know. So he went to jail when I was a kid and they told me he was at camp. And then I was, I was, I was in first grade in the bathroom with the thing shut. And I heard Susie and Susie talking, I swear, talking to each other. And they said, did you know that Debbie, Debbie's dad's in jail? And I was like, oh, he's in, and I came home. I remember this vividly. I came home from school and I was like, mom, he's not at camp. He's in jail. And it was such a radical moment in my psychology because mm -hmm. at that moment, reality and illusions and the quality of the emotional temperature in my household and my brother ended up being an addict and got to heroin and ended up in recovery. And it was a long process for the family. So it was just sure. an extreme, chaotic, non-linear, non-logical, except the way the house looked on the outside and the neighborhood uh. I grew up in, nobody knew. So it was extreme in that I felt 
normal. That's a joke. I really did my best to fit in <laughs> and to be yeah. part of the normal because all my kids, I went to Hebrew school. My mom wouldn't drive me. I had to go to the neighbors. I took dance lessons. My mom wouldn't drive me. So I became industrious to figure out how to manage my world. And I became super independent. And by the time I left home, I ended up going to Harvard for this exclusive dance program at the age of 18, which opened up the window of me really seeing the world. I honestly did not know already that Christmas existed. I grew up in an exclusively Jewish neighborhood, and there was only one person across the street that had Christmas lights on, and we would go across the street. And when I left home and went to college the first year and went to a Christmas party, I was like, my dad's birthday was Christmas, so we never knew that you celebration. Didn't know about Christmas. <laughs> so I, I was a very un- I was kind of sheltered, and yet as soon as I could leave, which wasn't, it was at 17, I left home and said, bye-bye now. And from that point on, my passionate, and you know this, my I have a very childlike enthusiasm. I don't know where it comes from, except in my chart, all the fire. And I just could not yeah. wait to go become an astrologer. It was like- Well, was, that's what I want to talk about next. Yes. So the childhood was very, very, very chaotic. And it's, it is a perfect lead into me becoming getting a master's in clinical psychology because I was so confused. Let's talk about that. Let's talk because the two of them kind of, well, you had your dance, right? So that's also expressing the physicality, et cetera. Now you have the mind. So you have your clinical psychology and then you have your astrology putting it all together. So let's segue into, you got into psychology, which makes perfect sense given that you, the, the environment you came from, right? And then how did astrology come on board? Because I know you, it was early on for you. At 10 years old in the Detroit News and the Comics section, there was a part where it said, <laughs> right, it said right away for your astrology chart. And I was, I had just been, I want to say I was like in second grade where you learn how to put the name and then the address and then the city and then the zip code and how you do all that. And so I couldn't yeah. wait. So I sent away for it, but I gave them the wrong birthday. And when the chart came back, it was the wrong chart. So I, but I distinctly remember being so excited about this thing called astrology. Fast forward high school, I found a book about um, the sun and the moon. You could look in the back of the book. And literally, I did every single kid who I'm still friends with now, many of the kids I grew up with. And I, to this day, knew where everybody's moon was. And I was talking about it all the time. Such a fun Love game. that. Yeah. And then by the time I got to um, graduate school, I had already been introduced to astrology through a very unique circ. I was in Toronto, went to school in Toronto, yeah. met a, my first astrologer, met a first astrologer. She was a triple Gemini. She was going to school for dance as I was. She was Jewish as I was. And she was in Toronto, even though she was American and she was an astrologer. And I was like, she came to my family's house this is a true story, and did the charts. Of, it was a holiday, a Jewish holiday. It was in September, and she did every single person with the ephemeris around the circle. And I, I was like, I couldn't believe that she could describe Woody Allen's characters better than I could. And we got in the car, and I said to her, I want to learn what you just did. And then mm -hmm. she was leaving university, and her dad said, if someone drives with you from Toronto to Alberta, I'll let them drive, and I'll give them a one-way ticket back. And I was like, I'll go with you under one condition. Teach me what you did that night at dinner. Oh, I love this. And so for three days in the car, all she did was triple Gemini. All she did was talk. And by the second day, she was like, Deborah, there are books in the back seat, and I can't keep talking about <laughs> astrology. And I was like, no, no, no. And by the time I finished, this is a crazy story, I had a dream. And I was told in no distinct, it was very clear that I had been an astrologer in past lives and to stop acting so dumb. I literally woke up in the middle of the night. 
And I started charging and doing readings the next day. So I learned through her. I never had a teacher. I shouldn't tell people this, but I came with a recapitulated. It was just I a didn't memory. Either. You know what? I, I don't, I think that this is key. It's not about you shouldn't tell people this because I also had memories of doing what I do. It just came so naturally. It's like I stepped back into myself. So, you know, and you are one of the best astrologers on the planet. I mean, that I've worked with. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. You, you yes, came thank in you. with And this, this is the woo, right? woo um, universe, the woo universe. I could be honest. <laughs> It, was, it, would have, it would have been like if a child was sat in front of a piano and they started to play music and they started to right. compose, which I've had clients that have this ability and they never took a yeah. piano lesson. That's what it was like for me with astrology. It was just a recapitulation. I remembered everything. And ever since then, I've continued to be in passionate love with that system. Yeah. And you also are extremely learned. Let's, let's bring that on too, because you, you are a bookworm like I am and you did read and you did study and you just studied on your own the way I studied tarot and divination. I yes. had to go find, I had no teacher either, none. So, so I, I get it. I love that. It makes me feel yeah. better. Thank you, Colette. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. This, this doesn't diminish you in any way. I think it makes you more interesting. So I really want to ask about this because once you said you were a skeptic, so I know there's two things going on. One, you were in love with it. And the other one, you were a little skeptical. Do you think it's because you have such a logical mind as well, too? You're, you're so good. My Mercury's in Taurus. So I, I believed in it, obviously, but I like hard evidence. I'm the person that tell me something and then let me touch it. And I learned yes. experientially because that's how my mind works. So it, I came to it in the beginning going, this is super interesting. I was open. I wasn't this. I wasn't right. like saying no, but as the year, I used to always say, I don't believe in astrology, but it believes in me. Like I didn't right. really know if I could believe. And now the years have gone by. I totally believe in astrology. It's so silly, <laughs> but I, but I had the skeptical, I needed concrete evidence and I've gotten nothing but concrete evidence over 45 years. There's no arguing anymore. I, I absolutely deeply abiding faith that there's an intellectual system brought to us by a higher intelligence that I am in devotion to. You know, it's great because I am also a skeptic. I'm still a skeptic. I need to see it. And I need to, once I experience it, I need to understand it. I want to hold it too. I want to see. I don't just take anything at faith. I, I need to see. And I too have had hard evidence over time. Some of it's obviously anecdotal because what we do is not, it's not empirical because each person is a new person. But I think it's really healthy and important for people to have a level of skepticism that enables them to think critically, right? And that's something that you teach in your school is critical thinking, which I think is really important. Totally. You're so right. Right? So why, in your estimation, is astrology so important now? You know, I was going to tell you the story. When I was in graduate school, I have this vivid memory of going to my supervisor for my final project and saying to her, I want to do research on mental illness and astrology. And she was like, wait, What? At that point in time, it was as for she and she was a Harvard graduate. She was a professor. She was this very high level intelligent. And she looked at me and she let me do it, by the way, in the end. But it was resistant. So in that time period, yep. there was zero acceptance. Now, the secret's out. Carl Jung was an astrologer. And every single session he did, literally, he was quoted to say, psychology will be a dinosaur science until it includes astrology. Yeah. So he named that way back in the 30s, but there was this stigma. Mm -hmm. And now with the Aquarian age arriving and Saturn's in Aquarius, Jupiter went into Aquarius this last five years. If you look on Instagram, I don't know about you, 
but I just see astrologers <laughs> every, everywhere. I mean, Mediums, psychics, uh, uh, oracle Reiki, card creators. Chakras, it's like, yes. right? Everywhere. Yeah. So this period of time is the entrance, according to the esoteric law and all the big systems, we're walking into an era where we must rise our frequency and remember the divine imprint. And what does astrology tell us? That there's an intelligence watching us that's it's absolutely perfect. Like that system is impeccable. It's crazy how every single reading I do is, act. I mean, it's. I hate to say it because it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn and astrology is 100% accurate. You know what's interesting when you said the word impeccable, because I, I might change my language because I talk about astrology being a fixed system, but it's an impeccable system. It's it's a system that is and always will be and is. So it's it's that it doesn't deviate, that you have it, it there is a, a map that is undeniable. Let's talk a little bit about the fact that you know, we are in this big change. And it's one thing to, to recognize that, yes, it's very popular now, but why? Right? Like, what is it that, why are we so called to this now? Like, what's going on a little bit more? People may not understand the Aquarian, what it means or anything like that. They just think that they, they think of the song, right? This is the dawning of the age. So everything goes in spirals. This is how time yeah. moves in this planet everywhere. Actually, it's a universal truth. And we go through eras. We had 2,100 years of a Piscean age that just passed. And that was the era where you had religion and you had to follow the rules. And there was a stick, there was a really strong organization that if you were in a temple or you were in an ashram or you were in a sangha or you were in a synagogue, you stayed in your group and you followed those rules and the Bible gave you instructions and yes, sir. And that was really a long cycle bringing with Christ 2,100 years ago. In the 60s, they don't know the exact date of this era, but something shifted. Now think about the early 60s. Suddenly we don't do religion. Suddenly we're throwing away our, our bras. Suddenly we don't our want bras. to stay married. We're taking <laughs> drugs. We're taking men and women's rules. We changed everything. There was this radical yep. departure. That was the entrance of the Aquarian age, which brought to us the releasing of the bondage of what you should do to be normal. In the Piscean age, there was expectations of what our family's grandparents, they all lived inside of a very limited bandwidth of what was called acceptable. That's not true anymore. You, in the olden days, you couldn't leave your family without being banished. You would have no food. Yeah. You, we lived in little villages. And if you didn't like what was going on, you would go out of the village and where would you go next? Because everybody knew everybody. Yeah. So now we're in this Aquarian age, which includes the releasing of the old government religious structure that said you follow the leader or else. That was what right. religion did. Religion put in place. Now we are in this free, open-minded Aquarian age that says computers are now creating openness to every single culture, every single mm -hmm. language. You push buttons and your mind is being stimulated. Oh, that's right. And we return to one of the strongest intellectual patterns that was put in place 4,000 years ago, astrology. So this is the Aquarian age, which includes the breakdown of the comfort of what came before. And that's what I think we're suffering from is the transition. Mm -hmm. we're, we're like two minutes in and we want right. to go back to the old fashioned ways, but ew. And we don't know what the new fashion <laughs> way is. Like what will it look like with marriage and men and women and, you know, sexual preferences. And we can't, we're like, beep, beep, this is brand new and I can't figure it out. So we're in that. And that's where astrology is so reliable and so wonderful to lean into because this system has passed the test of time. 
Let me ask you then how, because there is also the rise of authoritarianism and autocracy, etc. Is this kind of like the hanged man's kick? You know, like when one system is changing, it's like the strident need for certainty is let's go back to this. Let's have power over because it's we know it doesn't work, but it, you, there is such a rising of this right now. Can you tell us how astrology can explain that? As simple as that, what you just said, the Piscean age was follow the leader and authority was the lead. And he came in the shape of a boy and he was always the leader of the religious order or government. The Aquarian age doesn't care if it's a girl or a boy. And they're demanding freedom of those constructs that were so old fashioned. But it's the discomfort of like, you know, you think about, we think about our parents or our grandparents and we're staring at a computer right now with a headset on <laughs> and right. we're sitting with our, t- right. they would be like, what, look at our girls. They just look, what are they doing? How could they possibly right. imagine that we would have thousands of people listening to this from around them? So we've broken the mold of where the mind was acceptable in the Piscean age. We're entering the Aquarian age and it's hard. I just want to speak to the difficulty for the human condition to um, open our minds, even with astrology, even with woo-woo. You are doing such pioneering work because you're bringing back the old memory of when it was truly ruled by a female. That was a memory. And then we had to go through the Piscean, which was all about the men. And now we're like, men, women, why are we even distinguishing? Can't everyone just be who they want to be? The Aquarian age, be yourself, everyone else is taken. So you tend to say, and and you say it a lot, and I love that you say it, you say astrology is medicine. Let's explore that and, and why you say that and how we can use this medicine to help ourselves. So back to my point about this being a very difficult moment in time and that people are relying on podcasts and people like you and I to help us remember faith. So we have this, we're kind of like suffering from a broken heart as a collective because we don't understand time, said the astrologer. We don't have a context of the long view. So the medicine is that some part of our heart is feeling disoriented. Part of our mind feels confused. People suffer a lot, obviously, with depression, with anxiety. These are words Mm -hmm. when we grew up. It was a secret if you were depressed. Right. You didn't tell people Mm -hmm. you were depressed. The word anxiety didn't exist when we grew up. It's now prevalent. And the medicine is, oh, wait. That's my ego mind. This is what psychology teaches us. There's a part of your mind who's a sabotager and doesn't like you and talks shit about you when you're not looking. And even when you're listening (laughs) in the middle of the night, who pays that guy? And the medicine is astrology creates the observer that goes, hold on a minute. You have a very cute personality, Colette and Deb. And here's what you got to do. You can turn that little thing down. There is a control knob. And this is the medicine of astrology. You become observant to your funny personality that doesn't go away. And then suddenly you realize, oh, that's just my funny personality. That's not my soul. And once you identify with the soul, that voice becomes tameable. I, I can attest to this because uh, it, this kind of gets me excited when we talk about this because I remember when my chart was inaccurate, when I had the inaccurate yes. birth time, right? And, and this is the perfect example of how 
getting my chart rectified by Sharon Lair, actually, she did it. And all of a sudden, I'm finding out that I was zero degrees Libra rising and the entire chart for the first time in my life, it made sense. It described me perfectly. Remember, I used to say to you, I don't know, my Virgo my is Virgo's broken. My Virgo's broken. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had a Virgo rising made no sense. And, I, and, and even where the planets were, and all of a sudden the chart lined up in such a way, like when you really get the right astrology chart, the birth chart read by the right astrologer, and you see yourself reflected in the stars. And then all of a sudden you realize you have this cosmic blueprint and that it makes sense. And now it's still your job to navigate, which is why you and I are doing stars and cards with Hay House next year. Uh, right? But the idea is, is like, yeah, we got to navigate all of this, right? But still, it's it just makes you feel you get into the observer because you can relax. There's that's medicine, Colette. Right. Here's the opportunity. Yeah, I understand that now. Like that was my first hit of medicine. And for me, watching you, like seeing the distinction, and you know, always being friends for so many centuries. How does she come up with Virgo rising? But we had to. I always assume it's true the birth time the mom gives until right. you get that. This is how astrology should look. If you're doing a good reading, the person's going like this. Like, you know those little dogs when your grandpa had yes. them on the car? And that's what happens during the whole reading. <laughs> if they start going like this, you've got the wrong time, the wrong date. Some, And that's really important to know. Astrology has you in absolute agreement. And there's so much comfort. Back to your question about medicine. Right. It's given me so much acceptance. Like knowing you have four planets in Leo, it makes me so happy to know that that's true. Like when Colette, <laughs> she's always wanting to have fun. Even when I'm the most depressed and I call her and I'm so discouraged, we end up laughing our heads off. And that's the quality of fire <laughs> that she, and that energy, which she exudes, which is why we're listening to her and you're on this podcast, is because her chart came in this lifetime with an inheritance. This is the symbol truth. Well, that's so funny. Well, and that's true. That's just you and I. We just get hysterical when we're together. We're we're like, we are very funny. We're being very good today. Just so you know, all you listeners, we're being very mature and very <laughs> but it's but it's so true. And I think for people who are listening who are kind of thinking that astrology are their horoscopes, you know, in the newspaper go, I don't believe in that. Well, you know what? It's so much more than that. It is so intimate. It is so medicinal, like you said, that when you see yourself witnessed, especially now when everything is so chaotic and systems that we rely on and our certainty is being challenged, you get absolute impeccable certainty with a chart that can reflect the core of who you are and what you're here to do. Now, obviously, like I said, you still have to navigate all that. Right. I want to add to that. The sure. internal dialogue that the human suffers from right now, and they're listening, they're watching two shiny people who have found their passion from so young. Look what I was 10 at the Detroit comics. But that's not true for most of you listening. You're wondering mm -hmm. what you're supposed to be doing, and you're thinking your life is too small, and you don't feel like you've ever shown up. That's not true. What astrology says is this lifetime, it's an inside job. And yes. the sooner you identify your uniqueness and get comfortable, it's not about the outer world. Please take that off your plate, you guys listening mm -hmm. to this. Now, some of you, like Colette and I, we were given a very specific job. And we've been given a blessing of angels all around us helping us manifest this. Boy, do we have a, a beautiful team. But you may not. And that's not bad or wrong. There's an entirely different karma this lifetime that you're embodying and please stop judging it. And that's what astrology does. It puts that little guy that talks all the time, the mean guy that talks <laughs> about you in his seat. Like that is not okay to talk about her like that. And once your soul's voice gets activated through astrology, like, Oh, that's what I came to do. 
It's so simple. Right. There's a relaxation. And then to your point, medicine. That's right. The relaxation equals the medicine. So you wrote a great, phenomenal book that everyone should get. It's called The Missing Element, and it's not just because I am in it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did. I am in it. <laughs> but you, you have a very unique uh, approach to the psycho-spiritual uh, access point of astrology and the human, right? So, which is really about the elements. And I can tell you that the first time you came and did the whole missing element thing with me. Like I was blown away that I was, once we figured out that I was missing earth because that made total sense. Right. But because there was no Virgo, it, it was never there <laughs> to begin with, but, but it was like, Holy crap, this is so true. I am missing this piece. And how can I find something to balance that out? And you beautifully uh, explore this in this book and in the offerings and in your school, et cetera. So let's talk a little bit about what is missing. And then, you know, what is the wisdom that each element offers us? Cause we all, have elements within us, but some of us have a missing element and there is a missing element, which is the observer in most people. So exactly, this is your baby here. Let's, let's hear what you have to say about it. So the missing element uh, in the book, there's a test where you ask that or like, it's a five minute questionnaire and then you figure out your missing element and you go read that chapter. But to your point, we were both missing earth, just so you know. I, I mean, I figured that out <laughs> way early in my career that I wasn't good at details and I didn't understand how to do money and I didn't taxes and receipts. Why are everybody saving receipts? I didn't understand. And as the years went by and I studied my program, which of course we teach what we need to learn, I figured it out that this is really important that I ground myself. So the four elements is an ancient doorway brought to us by Egypt. The whole system was the four elements, the basis of astrology. It's also true of the American Indians, the four directions. I live in Hawaii, as you know. Hula is all based on the four. Everything they do is the four elements. Same with the ancient Jews. The Kabbalah systems all mm -hmm. based on the four worlds. So it's across time. It's ancient as the day is long. You can't live. Let's try and figure this out. You can't live without water. You can't live yep. without air. You can't live without food, and you can't live without your heart, fire, the red blood. So mm -hmm. we are ultimately in deep devotion if we were awake. I mean, it's taken me years to actually figure this out. So the book is simply without any astrology in it. So it's just a psychological model. I was very deliberate to not say a word about astrology in the book. You take the test, you figure out your missing element, and then to your point, you turn on the observer. So it's a two. The missing element wasn't just an element. You got it. It right. was also the observer. What I love, though, is is that you were very clear that this was a separate system, but that you also now have woven it into your astrology and your school, et cetera, and how you teach that. So um, everything I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's go back to this whole concept of missing element. So is there a difference between missing or running low in an element? And how do you know if you're running low? But Ooh, I want to go back to that because I think your, your system is really profound. So Yeah, that's a very good question. No one's ever asked that before. Um, it, it doesn't matter if you're missing it entirely or just running low. But if you're if there's four wheels in a car and one of the wheels has a low tire, it doesn't have to be flat, but the thing will go off. So you want all four to be fully empowered. And that gives the quality of feeling balanced. And in the name of this time period we're talking about where there's so much assault emotionally, I don't know, I'm so sensitive, but there, and there's Me so too. much confusion. 
that would be water, Miss Cancer. I get emotionally very distraught. It hurts me. Then my mind gets all confused. Error. I don't understand what we're doing on this planet. I'm so confused. I'm going to call <laughs> Colette so I can talk to someone about this. Earth. Uh-oh. We've got to take care of things. Where's the practicality? Where's my little list? I know it's here somewhere. And by the way, you're not doing a very good job. It's, it's the control factor. And then mm-hmm. fire. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Deborah and Colette are on the thing. Woohoo! But they get so excited that they say, let's have a drink. Let's have another one. I'm going to have a... Like, calm down. So all of these elements in in balance, and if you master these, you know, in the tarot deck, the first card is the fool. Like, what a nutcase yep. to come here. Like, why did we jump <laughs> off that cliff, Colette? You were probably teasing me, laughing. I was like, I'm going with her. That's a foolish thing. The first thing you do is you land at the magician. And what does the magician have on his table? Right. All four elements are sitting right That's in front right. of him. You cannot do this existence as a magician without the balance of those four elements. It's the first stop. So it's a simple system, and it's provided, if I had to say the value, and I do it every single day in my life, I'm very deliberate. Mm -hmm. Meditation is my water. Talking to you is my air. (laughs) Who can I talk to? (laughs) Earth is my, I'm very good at earth now, like you are. I mean, I've really, the name of my business, I've really held myself a high standard. It's not natural to me, but I've made it natural because I chose to cultivate my missing element. And then fire, I'm kind of good at. You know, I just right. make fun of, there's something that's going to turn me on like a radio. I think maybe it's the sunrise. <laughs> it's funny that you said that because I have watched and observed you too get super grounded and super good at the organizational I, I'm things. I'm so and different. Running your business and school, et cetera, and watching that go from zero to a thousand. But also, you know, I look at it for me and I've never been more grounded since I started painting. So it's was taking a paintbrush to a canvas that it was it's never music always used to ground me too. it's because I'm very creative, as you know, but it was the actual making something I could touch. I do a lot of finger painting on the paintings. It's like, yeah, it's been like very interesting. I'm going and you know what, Colette, that's your rising sign in my system. The rising sign is the doorway to your real self. Libra. Like once you figure out the, and it's based on the time of your birth. So I just want to say that. And that's where Sharon Lair comes in. You are Libra. Your artist is yeah. access to your soul. Totally. And well, that's same with you. I know. Right? But mine so shows that's... up different. You know what mine shows up with? Colors. Right. I look yes. at my house. Yes. I am the obsessed. most colorful. I am obsessed. And I know that about myself now that I have to yeah. consistently create in my world physical beauty to keep my little soul tickled. Yeah. And you do. You have the most incredible. I saw that new rug of many colors and your wall. I've been to your home and then Hawaii, that big bright blue wall. It's like incredible. No, I get it. I get it. Colors. It's it's so interesting. And I think for for the listener to recognize that in yourself. I mean, first of all, I think you should just get Deborah's book. But um, realizing that there is something that if we don't feed that, if we don't allow that entry point, then that is the lowering of something like that's It's imbalance. Goes it's on. out of balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's the the yeah the wheel. So we have to feed it. Yes, I totally agree. Okay, we have to take a little break now. Okay, more with Deborah Silverman when we come back. Welcome back. 
Okay, Deborah. my next question is, so let's talk about also um, the difference between perceptions and judgments when it comes to our elements. Like I want to drill down a little bit more because I could talk to you forever. I just want to make sure we we get to all these points. Um, The ones missing or present. So perceptions, judgments, let's kind of dive into that. Yes. So the way I teach it is that a judgment is different than a perception. A perception is the toast is burnt. That's just a raw truth. Right. The, pers- the judgment is, you idiot, you burnt the toast again. And that and it sets off all the judgments that make you feel like <laughs> But the perception is, it's a, to- it's a burnt piece of toast and I'm not eating it. That's not a bad thing. That's just a truth. Right. That's what astrology does. It gives you perception without the judgment. What is judgment? It's that little guy that sits there at night and says mean things to you. And until you become identified as the manager of that voice. Right. And this is essentially what the observer is. The difference between just perceiving something neutrally, this is in my book, I think that's where you got it, and judging everyone. And I call myself out. I'll say, oh, I'm judging. I mean, everybody does it. Yeah. And I kind of I make fun of myself, like, Deb, you just judge that person. And then I move it over to perception and go, oh, yeah, she just talks a lot as compared to, oh, my God, when is she going to stop? It's like, let's. how do we distinguish the simplicity in the name of kindness to yourself. Yes. Like, yes, I am a Gemini and I do have an incredible gift for intellectual appetite, to your point. That used to yeah. drive me nuts. Like, it made me fuzzy as compared to just don't judge it. It just is. That's, it is. And that's right, where it's... astrology is such medicine because you stop. You guys, just take a moment in this little podcast. What is the personality trait about you that you wish you could change because it bugs you? That's the clue that you're in judgment and now turn it into a perception. Just neutralize it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the observer does. Because it's not going away, your funny little personality. Ha ha. Right. And it does give you a tremendous sense of liberation when you get into that witness observer. Um, I think it's amazing. So do you have any suggestions as to how someone could go through the more shadowy aspects or natural tendencies that people don't like about the sign they are? Let's go to that now. Well, first of all, it's what I just said. Whatever that answer was to that question, the thing about you that you don't like, that's the shadow of your sun sign because it doesn't go away. So the thing about your personality, like I, I don't know if you have this, but I have indecisiveness from my Libra rising. And it's annoying to me. Interesting. I don't think you have it. No, I don't have that at all. What I have that annoys the heck out of me about me is that I care too much about what people think of me. That's right. That's very Leo. That's very Do they Leo. Like me? Com- oh my God. <laughs> right. And, and, yeah, I, that's a I really just one. like, ew, I wish I didn't have that. Right. And mine is, and I wish that I could just make a decision about small things. I literally don't care what restaurant we're going to. I don't care what I have to wear. I don't. And and it's annoying to me. It's like Deborah. So these are the personality traits that in your part, in your part, caring too much, we reframe it from the judgment of, oh my God, you're such a suck, Colette. And you're always getting taken advantage of to how, how, how beautiful that you care so much. And of course, this does not have to be a broken record. You can be aware of it with the observer, to neutralize it rather than make yourself wrong because it's not going away. 
You are no. alone. And, so how And not? I watch that. And I do watch it too. That and people pleasing. I, I'm a recovered people pleaser for sure. I'm I'm always observing that when that comes up for me, like going, oh boy, let's like, that's interesting. That That's my favorite saying. And I teach in Oracle school too. It's that's interesting. So, um, and I, I do think what you're saying really helps people, especially just to be in that place, because rather than look at a chart, for example, and say, oh my God, look at that. That's wrong. I know I have a friend who's a Scorpio. Well, I don't want to tell you I'm a Scorpio. Well, why not? It's fabulous. That, that's, they're such deep, amazing, you know, complex friends. It's the, it's the perception versus a judgment of what you think is good or what you think is bad. And I think that that's a key element of your teaching that I think is so important for people to know. Yeah. God didn't make a mistake. God didn't make a mistake when she made mm-hmm. you. You think she had a bad day? She was like, I'm going to make Colette's chart so, like, like such a people pleaser and she's going to be so... Lo-. No, that was very deliberate based on your Akashic records. This is how astrology works. There's an inheritance. Lifetime from lifetime, you accrue merit. So in this lifetime, Colette and I, were cashing in. We are sincerely <laughs> serving the other. Now we're built for the job as Libra Rising. The question I yeah. want to ask everyone is, are you interested in serving and by the way, it doesn't require people to serve. It could be animals. It could be babies. It could be yeah. your grandma. It could be just the internal love you have for poetry. That's not the answer of how do you serve. The question is, am I in service? And that accrues good karma. And that's what makes people's lives get shinier and shine. When I think about Colette and I, we are kind of secretly a party waiting to happen. Like it doesn't take <laughs> much to tickle us because there's a depth of soul that's occurred from many lifetimes where we were like, okay, we're going down there this time and we're going to have a party because we're obviously this is not our first rodeo, right? Right, right. Duh. Do not do that. But if you're suffering from feeling like you've lost your shine or your despondency, this is what astrology does. It rekindles us by giving you back to there's nothing wrong with you. Like this has been a hard life. You can look at a chart and go, oh, baby, that person came in with a lot of karma to clear. Not a good thing, not a bad thing, but that's not an easy chart. Or you can look at another chart and go, oh, my goodness, they just came in laughing from when they were little. Even when everything (laughs) went wrong, they thought it was funny. And that's not something to judge. But the gift of astrology, which is why I love it, is it it puts a level playing field. It doesn't matter what position you're in. Everyone came here under the stars with the promise to be of service to the evolution of this crazy game called humans. And we are the weirdest species. Don't you find, too, that when, I mean, you've done a number of readings for me, for my husband even, I mean, the clarity that just comes from the 20 minutes of talking, like, wow, I totally understand now what's going on. It just keeps liberating you. And I think that's the other piece, that there's a liberation that comes with having that reflected back to you. Example, I had that Pluto uh, sun thing. I, w- I Then I went and got a book on Pluto. Like, I needed to understand how to make Pluto Her my boyfriend, boyfriend since he's going to be there anyway, right? And I was like, let's make the best of this Pluto transit, which is sh- <laughs> it was still hard. It was very hard, but I knew what was happening because of astrology. If I didn't know that that was going on, I would have been felt victimized by a whole lot of stuff that was going on in my world. But instead, I was like, oh, this is reflected. Now, astrology didn't make it happen. It's just the correlation between what was going on in the stars and now. And I'm like, ah, oh, there's an explanation for this. And there's also an there's an expiry date for this too. Exactly. Right. There's an opportunity 
inside. And I think people need to know that. I, maybe that's why astrology is getting more and more popular. I mean, your school is overflowing. You're so well known now, right? I mean, it's there. maybe this is why people need this because they don't have any place else to to reflect on. We don't have religion as we used to have. And the right. new age and metaphysics, while it's delicious, does it give comfort? Does it give concrete practical steps? Is there some time right. factor you can learn to your point about expiration mm -hmm. dates? How can you know how to follow? This is the most essential, you know, it shocks me. I dream about this. It shocks me that we don't in school teach the children like, like you're going to love this Colette. I taught in a school and I told them I was Harry Potter's assistant and the kids came in the class. I had all the water kids there. You would have been sitting. I had all the air kids, all the earth kids, and all the fire kids. So I'd say to the water kids, <clears throat> you guys are so sensitive. And you get your feelings hurt. And they were like, and then I'd say to the air kids, excuse me, can you, they were raising their hand. I, I, you talk a lot. You get super excited. Can you put your hand down just for a moment? And then the earth kids sitting all there with their little sharpened pencils in those days. And they're incredible. Well and I was like, earth kids, you have to know that you're going to take a little longer than everyone else to get it right. And then there was the fire kids wanting to go to recess. Like, can we go now? Can, and, 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 and laughing at all my jokes. And then one of the kids raised her hand and she said, I think my mom must be water because when we got the new house, she cried when she left the old house and then she cried again when we got to the new house. <laughs> I said, yeah. So the kids got it. And this is one they of my got dreams. It. Like, and then another kid raised her say, I think my brother's fire because he laughed so loud. My mom has to take him in the other room. Like the, the quality of this information, if brought yeah. to the youth, would change the matrix of the way we do talk to ourselves. So you would have known, right. yes, you were a psychic. Yes, you're an artist. You would have been told as a kid. That's yeah. my fantasy instead of, when we grow up. Instead of you are going to be a lawyer, <laughs> which is what I was like, I am? Okay. Okay. That's because I'm a good arguer. But yeah, what are you going to do? But I do think that there is something to that. I, the difference between, because I know at the turn of the century, turn of the 1900s, there was a resurgence around esotericism and, you know, with Blavatsky and the Golden Dawn and the, Alice the tarot Bailey. and, you know, exactly Alice Bailey, you know, people that you and I both studied. That came in the early 1900s, late 1800s. And then it went away again. And I do think now your dream has more possibilities because it's returned, but it's returned at a time when we are in our greatest transition uh, where I, so I think that this as a tool is very possible that it could in our lifetime, we may see that, that, that it's going to get taught in schools. It is but my school. My school has influenced many of my students are working with children and working yeah. with parents. It's the, probably the most important work I can imagine. Telling a mom about her kid and supporting yeah. her kid to be the kid, not what the mom thinks the kid should be or the dad thinks the kid should be. Isn't that amazing? So I want to talk about climate change activism, which is your biggest heart love. And this is a big, big, important subject for you. So I'd love for you to share with our listeners some of the work you're doing in the area of climate change and astrology together. Could you share a little bit about your latest project with us that's in process? Well, there's two different projects. One is my podcast where I've collected hard scientists that have, because to your point, my intellect has an appetite. And it starts with Jeff Orlowski, who wrote the film Chasing Coral, won the best documentary of the year on Netflix. And he's now working on the continuation. Um, the quality of awareness around facing the facts, which I don't like to say too much about, except the shortest thing is all I want you to Google, because it's a fact, 
is when will fish end in our ecosystem? So when you find that out, which is not far, Mm -hmm. you begin to realize our ecosystems are going on red alert. There is something we can do. And this is where every film from Choosing Earth, beautiful film, to Mm -hmm. Chasing Coral, to Kiss the Ground. There's many, many documentaries that I have eaten up. The works of... Um, I love Attenborough, Mr. Oh, 94 years old from from England, who has clearly is doing a call to say, you guys were in crisis. And then leading up to Dr. Stephen Greer, who is now producing a higher level of awareness that there's possibly an introduction of very advanced technology brought to us by ETs that will reduce the carbon imprint, that will change the ecology, that will actually save the story. So I've been brought some optimism of very recent times that will be on my podcast. But to your question, it is seems to me there are only some personality types that can handle truth straight up and personal because it's so hard to handle. I, I have a lot of compassion. And my dear desire is to make it safe for you, the listener, right. to hear about it without being scared into denial. Because it right, goes one of two ways. Either people are these t- total pessimists, oh my God, we're doomed, or don't talk to me about this, I don't want to hear. And there's a place yeah. in the middle called the observer. Right. You know, I cried in, in uh, Chasing Coral. Yeah, it was such a moving and because it was a very loving, it wasn't in your face. It wasn't, it wasn't. It was like, here's the facts. You know, my the, the card that I'm painting for my deck, uh, Guides of the Hidden Realms, is bleached coral, is the being that represents death and what is dying. So yeah, I chose, yeah, because of that film. It was because of Colette, that film. That is so beautiful. So mm-hmm. it is to say that there is going to be a death of the fish of that ecosystem, but that's not to say that we can't readjust. So the right. prayer that I'd love to send out from your yes. to your audience to my audience is just please don't fall asleep. Don't deny what's occurring. To the greatest of your ability, ask the questions, do the research, watch the film, and then know that there's a miracle in store. Just my favorite analogy is, and I, I so get this, If you had never seen a woman give birth, (laughs) she gets pregnant. This thing starts growing on her. It's so weird. She's throwing up. She's totally sick. Then it gets to the end and she's screaming and yelling and you're in the room and you're like, okay, that's it. She's yelling. Take the thing off her. Cut the thing (laughs) off her. But there's the wisdom keepers, the woo people, the midwives (laughs) that say, excuse me, please calm down. Please put your awareness on. Please pray. And then out of her comes this little teeny baby with the little teeny eyelashes with the little teeny nails. And you're like, uh, yeah, good thing we didn't cut that thing off. So don't misinterpret (laughs) something's wrong while she's screaming. We are in transition and we're breaking our waters. Literally, this is a symbol. We are changing in our form, but we don't know what the miracle is underneath this. And Colette and I are both firm believers in miracles. Yep. And also that we need help to navigate, that it's that we don't, we have tools, we have divinatory tools, we have astrology, we have oracle cards, we have, we have tools. Wisdom we do, keepers. And we have the, exactly, we have wisdom, we can hold hands and we can step in it together. And there is no way that we have to do this alone. This has been such a great conversation, and uh, I want to pull a card together now and see if there's anything else the Wooniverse wants us to talk about in the realm of astrology and life and love. And all righty, let's see what Oracle card comes up. Let's ask the Wooniverse, what do Deb and Colette need to explore before we move into the next next layer of the Wooniverse? 
Oh, Treasure Island. Isn't that interesting? I love that card. That we have everything that we need. So let's apply that. I'm going to tell you how I apply it. And then let's apply it to you and, and, and astrology and everything that you've said so far. And so for me, it reminds me, I've been trained and uh, conditioned to look to the outer world to dictate whether or not that is my resources are out there. But what this tells me is my resources in here. And that to your point earlier, when you talked about, uh, you know, being an inside job, it's not even a job. It's that I have the miracle, the access, the, the God force, the, the observer, the witness, the soul already here. It's not over there. It's here. So that I have to remember that, that the treasure goes with me every day. It's not so hard. And what do you think about this? You know, it's funny what conjures up for me is I think it's really important in this next era that the imagination be activated. And for me, the treasure chest is like, what would you imagine is possible in this world? Because if we limit our reality to not believing in astrology or not believing in woo-woo or not believing in miracles, we are going to find ourselves dry and very scared. So the treasure island is like, there are places that are out there in Shangri-La. There are places in your imagination to your, again, on the inside that will liberate us. And it's for me, it's a daily practice for me to reach up into my hope because I have to say my unconscious, mm -hmm. my sensitivity gets very weighted by the despair of what's occurring. And then yeah. Treasure Island goes, hold on a minute. And we're going to imagine a world where Colette and I get to work together. We're going to imagine <laughs> a world where people come and study astrology and do divination cards and they realize the resource that's waiting on yeah. the inside. So I, I never stop letting myself in the name of the treasure island, imagine places in time and space that will evolve us and continue right. to bring this, the, the light. And even though I have to say, and you know this about me, I, I have found out about my personality type that because my North Node's in Scorpio, that my emotional body is the doorway yeah. for my enlightenment. North Node is a doorway to enlightenment. And so I have to stay in honesty about my human and I've called you crying and I've called you laughing and I, I ride the waves with you, but I yep. never want to deny the human but, and I never want to lose track of Treasure Island. <laughs> and that's so true. I, I also think that um, our culture is, is too much, too indoctrinated into like taking a pill and getting rid of our grief. Like, let's get rid of that. They don't give us any space to feel those feelings that, you know, both of both you and I, we get into that despair. We both do that. We tune in, et cetera. It's hard. It is burdensome. But it's not what we're saying isn't that we're trying to avoid or bypass any of the real feelings that we may have, like rage that's been repressed and oppression and all kinds of things. We're not saying that, oh, we're just going to deny that and be happy, joyous, and free and use our imaginations and go, la, la, right? It's, it's both and. It's really being in reverence to spirit, but also the human condition and compassion for the human condition, which is what your book's about. And also to welcome the, the potentiality that we have within us. And interestingly enough, the card, by the way, is a sea turtle close to Hawaii in water. So it's a turtle swimming with the treasure chest on its back. That's so interesting because the turtle is one of the oldest. It's dinosaur-like. Yeah. It's it survived yeah. by being able to protect on the inside. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And have I it, love and brings turtles. This house with them. Me too. And one of the Me biggest too. things I've learned in this life as we age, because we are getting to that point of eldership, is to go yeah. slowly. 
And I've been so loving. I walk slowly. I drink slowly. I've changed my rhythm. It's so unnatural to a Gemini. And it's really (laughs) been the turtle. I love that that's the image of the treasure island. I have really come to appreciate, like, slow it down, Deborah. Appreciate that this is the most, we are peaking right now in our society. Mm -hmm. This is going to go, when the ecology starts to affect us and the fires and the ground and the water. But right now, this is the best lifetime I've ever had. And it hasn't started. It's only kind of like been in the periphery, right? I mean, even though we're, there's pockets of people who have experienced it very dr- abruptly and directly, it hasn't really hit a lot of people. It's like they keep the thinking exactly. it's going it to be fine. I know. It's interesting. Okay, we are going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter another dimension of the universe, the Tea Time After Party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. back with astrologer extraordinaire Deborah Silverman. So now we are going to switch gears and travel into another dimension of the universe called the Tea Time After Party, a place where we kick up the fun. So joining us now is our executive producer, Connie Deletti. Hi, Connie. Connie. Hello. Oh, man. That was an amazing conversation. Great. Just uh, so good. So good. Yeah, so good. Okay, so we are going to ask you some interesting questions. I'm going to start. You have a t-shirt with one word on it you have to wear for a year. Which word would you choose? Thank you. Can I have two words? No, thank you's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> thank a you phrase. is awesome. A word or a phrase. Oh, yes. I like you know, it. <laughs> do you know why we live forever? Why? Because it, it takes that long to say thank you. <gasps> oh, Deborah quote, Deborah quote, meme time. <laughs> <laughs> it's Instagram ready. It's ready. Instagram ready. Yeah. Your turn, Connie. Okay. Deborah, what is your most unusual talent? Sleeping. Okay. I'm really, really good at sleeping. It's I, honestly, I can I can fall asleep anywhere. I'm one of those deep sleepers. The noise can be on. Wow. People can come in the house and I would not hear a thing. I am so good at sleeping. Is that weird? That is no, oh, but that's, I wish that's that. incredible. Oh, I know people. People say that all yeah. the time. I think it's my nervous system knows how to go. Whoop. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm it is a talent. That, yes, is a that talent. is a talent. Deborah, what would you name your autobiography? Oh, the pleasure of being in a body. Oh. The pleasure of being in a body. That's interesting. I have so much fun, this little thing. I really, really have enjoyed, said the dancer who plays all the time, playing tennis, going swimming, going hiking on my bicycle. I get so (laughs) off on, I mean, I don't know that I've incarnated that many times in a body. I think I've been a lot of times an angel floating around, (laughs) but this time I'm really getting off on it. Like the, just the amazing function of this thing. And you're, and I've seen a picture of you too. Like Deborah has done yoga literally every day since she was two, and she's got this photograph <laughs> yeah. of herself on her Instagram with her with one leg, like, and then pulling I'm, it over I her head. I, I, that's what my okay. it's true. My autobiography is the pleasure of being in a that's body. That's the cover. Yeah. yeah, and that makes sense. That makes total yeah. sense. <laughs> Your turn, Connie. Okay, here's a question. Do you have any superstitions and do you have like a very one that might be considered eccentric? Ooh, do I have any superstitions? I would go, this is so Silverman, I'm going to go the opposite. <laughs> I have, I'm the person that has very little fear 
to the point where I scare people because I am fearless <laughs> when it comes to feeling safe wherever I am. So I've abandoned all superstition. I don't have one of those mm. quirky little qual. In fact, quite the opposite. I walk through fearful places off across New York City streets where I just assume I'm totally safe. And yeah. I think the angels are like, oh my God, Deborah, you make us work overtime. <laughs> A photographer. I would have been a world-class photographer. Interesting. Yeah, and your and yeah. your pictures are gorgeous. She constantly sends me photographs of sunsets. I'm yeah. like, who uh, is this? I know. All my friends over. They oh always gosh. make fun of me. Like, here comes another Deborah picture. But I just get so off on taking. But I don't really know what I'm doing. I just. Yeah, you're, you do have a beautiful eye. And again, that's the Libra rising. That's the color. You always have the most colorful in pictures. It's like, and I totally get it. It's, they're psychedelic. It's pretty it's amazing. exactly true. Well, this was so much fun. To learn more about Deborah and her offerings, you can visit her at DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. And you can watch Deborah as the host of her weekly podcast called I Don't Believe in Astrology. What a great name. <laughs> and that's available wherever you listen to podcasts, including the platform you're on right now. To view a transcript of this conversation, quotes, and so much more, check out our show notes page via itwpodcast.com or within this episode's description. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us today. What a great conversation. That was so much fun, as always. Thank you. What a great and insightful conversation with Deborah Silverman. And I always like to ask what we learned from this. And so what do we learn today? I, I'm not going to pick another card because I thought the card was absolutely perfect. The card that we got, Treasure Island, really sums up astrology, you know, that we are the sum total of, our, of all the stars that have made us and reflect us here on this earth. And we don't have to look outside of ourselves to understand how we can heal and how we can grow and how we can make an impact on this world. But we do have a navigation system. And even that little turtle with that treasure chest on its back on that oracle card can look up in the sky and know that when he sees the stars, he'll never get lost. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron reed Thanks for listening. is a production of Universal Network Studios. Thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuy, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and post-production audio by Lonnie Carmichael. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. 
Original Music Truth Begins is by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. And all other music you hear in this episode is courtesy of APM Music. If you love what you are hearing and want to keep up to date on episode releases, bonus content, and prize giveaways, please visit us at itwpodcast.com. Also, we'd really appreciate a woo-tastic review on Apple or Spotify. So please subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode on Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.